0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hey, folks, it's Matt Zachary, and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast out of patience right here on the Offscript Network.
0: Hey, I'm Alura Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth.
1: Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door.
0: We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation.
1: So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. All right, Matt,
0: let's get at it.
1: Hello, Alura. Hello, Matt. It's uh, VaxOn time.
0: It's VaxOn day. I <laughs> VaxOn day. It's VaxOn every fucking day. It, you know, it is. It is living in the world of VaxOn. What's happening with you lately?
1: So I have a quick story. My parents, who live in South Carolina, have old school friends from like the 70s who have a child that's, I think, our age, or a little younger, either getting married or the kids getting bar mitzvah. Some some kind of celebratory thing is happening in Raleigh. Okay. So they're driving to Raleigh to this wedding. And I'm mixed on this. If it were a year ago, I'd, I'd maybe feel different, but the people doing the event are requiring proof of negative covid through a home test within three days have we reached a point where that just doesn't matter anymore
0: I personally am very pro show me a home test before you do anything I like it I feel like it's not perfect um I realize it's not perfect but it's something it's better than nothing and and here's here's where my brain goes on it tell me if you follow me on this Let's just say you didn't test, you went to the event, you got a bunch of, you know, you happened to have COVID, you got a bunch of people infected. Right. If you could have taken the test before you went and it would have been positive and then you would clearly have stayed home, wouldn't you want to stay home? Like, wouldn't you feel terribly guilty? And if it's avoidable to to feel that way and avoid get people getting people sick, wouldn't it be nice to do that? So my,
1: my response is, I think we're in a weird problem to have that we didn't used to have, which is there's so many tests now. There's no standards by which all these tests give you that little pregnancy line in the findings. And some of them are expired and some of them are shipped by the government. Some of them you buy at Walmart. And the accuracy of them isn't as good as it used to be when you had to go to CityMD for them or your doctor for them. And I agree with what you said. Yes, if you're positive, you shouldn't go. But you could be negative that day and
0: positive the second you get to the wedding or the bar mitzvah. As well, I know, because that is exactly what happened to me that I had COVID, tested, the test was negative, then I was around people and I got them sick. Um, and I felt really badly about it. But I mean, that's just saying it's not perfect. But my understanding is still is that there's very low incidence of false positives.
1: Again, we can do our homework on that and report back in next week's show. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just I'm just of the ilk now where
0: you keep saying ilk.
1: I'm. Of I don't the, know what that
0: word means. What I'm of thinking? the pension.
1: No, I'm, I'm of the penchant. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not, I'm not suggesting don't say ilk. I'm just pointing it out.
1: Look, <laughs> we're still in the whole immunocompromised mean, and elderly and, and health-compromised universe. But at what point do we as a society – I feel like I've moved from the left to the mushy middle on this. And where do we draw the line on mandatory negative tests for weddings and bar mitzvahs, people that are – of Probably our side of mushy middle, left of middle, but when is it going to be just good enough? What, what does endemic mean to all these random decisions people are making that are based on you know what we know in science and what we kind of have hearsay for?
0: Because Omicron is for all the people. I don't, you know, I just always get back to the place of like, look, if it's not a big deal to just be careful, then just be careful. Like, who cares? What's a big deal? Take the test and then you don't have to worry about it. I mean, and it's, and again, of course it's not perfect. So, you know, if we said, okay, it has to be perfect and you have to, you know, go to the hospital, get a PCR test. You can't leave the house unless you've got it. That's different because it's such a burden and we're saying it has to be, you know, but, but If it's not that big of a burden and we're already taking a risk by saying, look, this is one safety measure. It's not perfect. It's not everything, but it's like one safety measure. I'm not against it. But by the way, but that's just my own personal take on it. I also would have absolutely no problem if every car in the world required a person to take a breathalyzer before they got behind the wheel. I'd have no problem with it. Other people would feel differently, but I would be like, hey, what's the big deal? Just be safe. You know, So, I mean, that's – I live in that world where if it's not a huge deal and it's not a big expense and it's not going to destroy your life to do it, just do it and like add a little little extra safety measure.
1: Is that also like you must be this smart to be president? Yeah, I mean
0: I'd love that safety measure. <laughs> or to run for Congress. And I think that people have just different attitudes about safety generally, about what is a reasonable amount of safety and what is you know, too careful, too cautious. Um, And I tend to live on the, be a little extra safe side of all physical risks. That's just kind of the way I roll. Right. Um, But I think, you know, if I were hosting a big event, you know, I I just recently faced this where I did host a big event and I did ask for everybody to be tested. And I feel like, um, you know, I would feel a little extra responsible if a bunch of people got sick at an event that I hosted. So it's incumbent upon me to Make it easy for people to be as safe as possible. Having said all that, all of those things are very different than a government requiring it. Right. Um, You know, I think we can have lots of different debates about that because that's just different. But, you know, as a private person, I don't really see any any problem with asking people to do that or doing it myself or making it convenient for other people to do it. Right. And it's only going to re exacerbate
1: or just exacerbate for the first time relationships. With people that are like, "Are you really doing this, or should I lie and tell the truth?" Oh, or I who's know. Showing
0: up, people get mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's become people get really di- mad about it. It's become like a dividing line.
0: But you know, it, I've actually found in the past, like, there's when it comes to safety, it often is a dividing line. Like, I have a couple of friends who routinely have a couple of drinks and get behind the wheel, Ugh. and and it really pisses me off, and then. If you, you know, I've tried to stop them in the past and it becomes like this whole thing. And I mean, I'm not talking about people who are falling down drunk. I'm talking about just like, it's probably not the smartest idea, but you know, you probably also wouldn't get arrested if you did it. And people get really angry and defensive and they feel really attacked and it becomes like this whole thing. And I feel like, why wouldn't you just do it safer? So I think people's differing mentalities and risk tolerance factors into, you know, the emotional side of all this.
1: I mean, this is a pseudo segue to our first segment, but oh, God, this is <laughs> tolerance of the over under, we're gonna go to the death penalty.
0: Yeah, you know. So, Matt, here is the thing: we've said many times in a kind of joking way on this show that we are anti-death. Um, so, I, I just thought we would, you know, check in with situations where our government is actually purposely killing people. Um, I generally feel like if we can't all agree that death is a bad thing, then where are we exactly? <laughs>
1: So spoilers for Stranger Things season four. Go. (gasps) What? Anti-death. Government conspiracies.
0: No, you don't know. I don't know. I only watched season one and two.
1: Okay. You're missing out.
0: Sorry. I'm I'm busy watching Yellowstone where people die every single time.
1: Okay. I just actually Um, just started watching Severance. So that's also weirdness.
0: Oh, welcome to that fucking weirdness. That whole show is like you watch it and then you just don't even know what planet you're on. Like, it's just crazy. But I mean, it's ben so good. Stiller it's for good. the win. Anyway, to the death penalty. Yes, to the death. So, um, yeah, I just thought, like, we should just probably talk about the death penalty, not because it has anything really to do with COVID, but um, I don't know. This is my podcast, and I feel like I care about this, so I want to talk about it. Um, and the United States Supreme Court handed down two rulings this week, both of which involved death row inmates. And, you know, I'm not bringing them up to debate them, really, but just to kind of let people know, like, hey – You know what kind of fuckery is going on out there in the legal world? So uh, in one case, the Supreme Court denied cert, which means that they refused to hear an appeal, to Arizona's longest serving death row inmate. The guy's name is Joe Clarence Smith. He's a a seriously bad dude, like seriously terrible bad guy, committed horrific crimes. This guy has been on death row for 44 years. That's not really death
1: row. That's like sitting on a bench in a park row. Oh,
0: like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. Like, almost our entire lives, this guy's been on death row. Um, and, and you know, his appeal got denied because of all kinds of procedural reasons. Um, but Justice Breyer, who's about to retire, he, like, took a, a, a minute to do his usual song and dance about how, like, by the way, this is really fucking inhumane. And putting people on death row and making them worry and have that anxiety and know that their execution is coming for decades is really, really cruel. And even if the death penalty itself might be constitutional, doing this shit where people are waiting for 44 years is not constitutional. Um, he was a dissenter, by the way. That wasn't the majority opinion. But like, even people who think the death penalty is a good idea, despite the fact that it's a horrendous idea even those people usually don't think it's a good idea for people to be hanging out in death row for 50 years. So like, hello, what is going on? Like Arizona, get your shit together. You know,
1: I'll say this on the show. I've never had a concrete opinion on the death penalty. I waver back and forth for obvious reasons. And, you know, if you are a disgusting, murderous piece of shit that just does like the worst of the worst, Are you rehabilitatable, or is that where I don't know enough about the thinking of why this human shouldn't just be removed from the planet?
0: I mean, I I definitely think that there's a lot of complicated conversations that go into the morality and the efficacy and all that underlying the death penalty, but I'll tell you where all of this stops for me. First of all, I think killing people on purpose is inhumane, no matter what the purpose is. But- perhaps more uh, more to the idea of the death penalty as a, as a punishment, there's lots of stories and evidence out there of the collateral damage that the death penalty causes. The judges, the jurors, the attorneys, the prosecutors, um, the people who work in the prison, these people are not criminals. These are just regular people going about their jobs. And I just don't think any of them should be ha- made to participate in a system for their job where they have to kill someone. And there's lots of evidence about the intense psychological damage that the death penalty as a system causes for all of these professionals working in the system. And, you know, I sort of feel like take the bad guy out of it. There's all these other people who are not bad guys who are being made to participate in a system that is inherently inhumane. And that's a really major reason for me why I think we got to get rid of it. I have been educated. Well, there you go. And and I'm correct. And that's how it goes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is your show. Um, that's true.
0: But no, I mean, but that's just that's that's a very meaningful factor for me. Um, and I'll tell you also the Supreme Court had another case that was actually uh, also involved death row inmates. It involved several death row inmates. And the Supreme Court um, ruled that even death row inmates who are petitioning for habeas corpus. So they're petitioning to get out of prison or to at least get off death row. They're not allowed to introduce evidence that their attorneys were incompetent. Um, Now, this is a much more complicated legal issue than I'm sort of generalizing right now. But at the end of the day, the Supreme Court ruled that these guys who are on death row could not bring in evidence to show that their attorneys had done a horrible job representing them. And we're talking about court appointed lawyers. So that seems sort of fucked up, right?
1: I mean, is that a hit on DAs?
0: No, no, it's not – it's it's for their, their defense lawyers. Okay. Right. Their defense lawyers did a terrible job, and that's – and they got convicted. And um, the Supreme Court said, like, sorry, you can't show us how your attorney did a terrible job. And um, that just seems sort of geared to want innocent people to get convicted. Like, we shouldn't want that. We shouldn't – we should not want there to be mistakes. We should want to know that if someone goes to jail, particularly if someone goes to death row – That um, we're like really fucking sure that they committed the crime, not that they had a lawyer who was asleep during the trial.
1: We should have a contest right here on the show. How many
0: law and order plots are this story? Many law and order plots, except New York doesn't have the death penalty, thankfully. Right. Um, Also, the federal government had called a moratorium on executions um, when Biden came into office, which is a really good thing. But instead of a moratorium, we just shouldn't fucking have the death penalty anymore. But anyway, so that that is the end of my my death penalty rant for today. Um, but I, I would like to tell our listeners this is this is a big issue. It's a big, complicated issue. Big meaning there's a lot to read and a lot to know about it. And some states, uh, twenty three states, have abolished the death penalty. Virginia was recently the first state in the South to do so. Um, you know, open up that Google and find out what's going on in the state that you live in. And educate yourself about it and speak up about it because it tends to be one of those things that the people who are loudest about it um, are people who support it and people who don't just, you know, kind of don't, but they don't quietly and, um, you know, learn about it, learn, learn how it affects your community and, um, you know, and speak up about it. Soapbox, take it back.
1: We will be right back.
0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: All right, we're back. Um, Laura, can you make me feel better, perhaps lift my spirits
0: with a, with a better story? I might be able to, although after our introduction, I'm not sure it's going to lift your spirits, but it totally lifted my spirits. Um, the FDA authorized the first non-prescription test for not just COVID-19, but also for the flu and RSV. So you know how like you could just go and get a COVID test, right? But you know how you have to go to your doctor to get a flu test, right? So there's no over the counter flu test. You have to go to the doctor for the test and or the shot. Right. And it's like a whole thing, you know, to go to the doctor and, um, you know, I mean, usually your insurance covers it and all that but if you're not feeling well but you you know you, people don't always go to the doctor so now the FDA just authorized the first test that it's a home test for um not just covid but also for the flu and also for RSV and i think that this is really great actually um because i, I know that people are going to say oh we're getting into this world where we're testing all the time but the flu is a really shitty illness like you know most people don't die from it but it sucks when you have it and If I have the flu, I definitely don't want to give it to other people. So if I'm not feeling well and I can test myself and see if I I have the flu, then it'll tell me like, you know what? You're not just not feeling well. You should definitely stay home.
1: Does it also test for like disdain and malaise for society?
0: (laughs) Do you know I love the word malaise? (laughs) (laughs) I've always loved it, even though it means something bad, but it's such an elegant word that I feel like it should mean something good.
1: I like this idea, though, because yes, like, I feel like they should have this test for the common cold, too. But, you know,
0: how many times? Right, that's usually rotovirus, right? (laughs) Yeah. Or or is it notovirus? It's like one of those weird viruses, right? Some rhyming virus. And I'll tell you, it's so weird. Like, why do I need to know I have the flu? Frankly, I'm not exactly sure. I just like knowing. I just like knowing what's going on with my body. I'm just going
1: back to my kitchen in my house when I opened up the drawer and saw maybe 35 COVID home tests. Sitting there, staring at us, guilting still us, and than not a, testing every day. Still less that are in my house. Do you, you test the kids every day? No, no, no. I'm, this what? notion of like, should we test every single day? It's like,
0: I don't know. Why? I mean, testing every day seems like a bit much. Testing when you have symptoms of an illness, though, I think is, is a good idea. I mean, because here's the thing, right? Um, different illnesses transmit differently. So if you knew you had a certain thing, then theoretically you would also know what you need to do to combat spreading it. Right?
1: I mean, the cannabis version of this is hypochondriac's delight.
0: I know, but you know, I don't know. I I I just kind of I feel like it it combats hypochondria because if you know you have the flu, then you know you're not dying of something more serious. Yeah, but there are people
1: who are going to convince themselves that the test is wrong if it's negative. They, they they only happy when they are sick with something.
0: Okay, but I can't cure people's mental illness. Like I just feel like if I have the flu, I'd like to know it. Like, that's, that's another all.
1: podcast. Curing yeah, like that's all a whole mental other illness. <laughs>
0: yeah. I would love for there to be you know a, a test for everything. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I I I'll tell you, I have also a bigger picture reaction to this idea, and we've talked in the past on this podcast and and also you know off air about the need to test for sexually transmitted infections, for AIDS, and for other things. And I think the idea of um, normalizing testing for any illness is such a good idea because there are some really frightening illnesses out there, and people often. Um, are like afraid to test. Like just even people who have no suspicion that they have an illness, they're afraid to take a test. And I think the more that testing for illnesses becomes just kind of standard, um, the better it is just generally for public health.
1: Well, listeners of this show who may have heard the Tuesday show that dropped this week, we did a whole episode with a company called Exact Sciences. Uh, they make Colagard, which is a test you get prescribed. They kind of poop on a stick and then your doctor sees it, and then you may or may not be at risk. You poop on a stick. It does a. You DNA. do not
0: poop on, oh, on a stick. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm thinking like chicken on a stick, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: It is not chicken on a <laughs> stick. I'm like, no, your doctor prescribes you this home kit where you poop on a stick and like 23andMe for poop, you send it out, it does these tests, (laughs) and then your doctor gets it and says, you may or may not need a colonoscopy, it's an early detection kit for colon cancer, which is really, really exciting, but to the point of what you're saying, like one test to rule them all, they're working on something called a multi-cancer detection test that they will give you in primary care if they suspect something and that one test could possibly find up to like 14 cancers before See, they get amazing. really bad inside your body.
0: That's amazing. I think that all of that, like anything that is going to let us know what's going on in our bodies is such a good thing because then you can act appropriately. You can you can get whatever screenings, you can get whatever treatment. I just think that that's fantastic. So I think all advances that take medical science and bring it to, you know, your local Walgreens is a good thing. I think that's all really something to be happy about.
1: So something tells me that the average person is going to see this test in the Walgreens or whatever and they may be more inclined to want to know if they have the flu instead of COVID-19 because
0: the flu maybe culturally is more tangible. Sure, and it's been around for a long time, and people generally aren't terrified of the flu. So you, you might get people who see flu on the box, get the test, and then find out that they have COVID-19 and are like, oh, look at that. And maybe they would have been afraid to test for COVID-19 if it was a solo test, kind of like like come for the flu, stay for the COVID type <laughs> of the situation. Now, that's a nightclub I want to go to. <laughs> but I, I feel like it can only be good, right? Like maybe more people will test. Maybe it will normalize testing. Um, maybe it will make people more aware. Like, who knows? I just think it's all good. Um, it's, you know, when we're talking about contagious illnesses, whatever they are, the more information you have about them, the better. And, and I also feel like, you know, one of the few good byproducts of the pandemic is that people are so much more conscious of how disease spreads and like, just sort of generally, like people are much more conscious about washing hands and touching surfaces and talking in each other's faces. And again, like, you know, let's say it becomes more typical for someone to take a flu test, realize that they had the flu, and then realize that the person that was in a meeting with them the day before caught it from them before they were symptomatic or something. Then it, it might reinforce good health behavior. Oh, you know, I saw that I had the flu and then Joe had the flu. So now I'll remember that next year during, during flu season, I'll be more careful when I'm in a meeting in close quarters. It might even uh, prompt more people to get vaccinated for the flu because a lot of people are very anti-flu vaccine uh, because it's not, you know, 99% effective. right? Um, so, but if you knew, oh, you know what? I was feeling shitty and it turns out I had flu A. Um, you might be more inclined to get it you know, once you're sure that that's what your illness was.
1: So speaking of things that can kill us that are airborne and... Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no. I think we have to end with a hopefully not so scary tactic of monkeypox, which in and of itself just onomatopoetically sounds horrible. (laughs) Monkeypox.
0: See, to me, it sounds made up. I'm like, that can't be real. (laughs) That definitely sounds like... Like that sounds like, what What was it? The the murder hornets. That sounds like the murder hornets. To murder me, like hornets. Pox, my God. Like stop it right now. Yeah. Or it also sounds a little bit like it might be a candy.
1: Oh my God. Like, yeah.
0: Like right? pop rocks,
1: monkey pop rocks,
0: like pop rocks, monkey pox. Right. But in, in fact, it's not. It's like something we got to be stressed about. And, and the president, he warned the disease is someone everybody should be concerned about. Um, guy, that's not helping at all. <laughs> That is not helping my mental health. Please don't tell me to be concerned about a new illness I've never heard about. Like, it, that's just like, I, I just, I, you know, I love, love President Biden. I just didn't need that this week. I I'm, got enough going
1: on. I'm going to agree. Is this another one of those like human eating animals things? Or it's like, is this normal in nature and species that don't affect humans? Do we know anything about it?
0: So here's what we know. It spreads when someone comes into close contact with another person, animal, or material that has the virus. It was first detected in captive monkeys back in 1958. So it's been around a while. And then 12 years later in 1970, that was when we had the first human case. And it generally happens in remote parts of Central and West Africa. Um, But as of this past Saturday, 92 cases and 28 suspected cases have been identified in 12 countries outside of those African nations. Um, So that's not great. You know, I mean, it's we're obviously not talking about huge numbers, but COVID didn't start with big numbers either. I'm reading here that it's
1: only occasionally fatal. I mean, that's an odd use of a gerund right there. (laughs) But I'd rather it say occasionally fatal than like mortally wounding and death and Ebola.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not great. The, the The one good news is it doesn't spread very easily. Um, it seems like you can only get infected, like like it's usually it sounds like a skin to skin contact, right? You have to be in in close contact. So yeah, and it usually is through broken skin, although it can be through the respiratory tract or through the eyes, nose, and mouth. But it sounds like it's not n- like it's you know on a scale of uh, zero to to Omicron, it's not all that contagious. So. I mean, that's a good thing. And yet it sounds like something you would
1: get and melt on the street.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does. It sounds really bad. It sounds like I got monkey pox and then I turned into a monkey and I immediately melted.
1: Like if they called COVID 19 monkey pox,
0: you think more people would have been scared of it? <laughs> you know, maybe there definitely would have been some great jokes. I mean, I wonder they well, that whole pox thing always scares the shit out of people. Yeah, right. They could have yeah. called it like COVID Pox-19.
1: Like, like they could have called it add, Back Pox. Add Pox to everything, and it just instills terror.
0: Yeah, no, that's true, except for Mystery Pox. Do you remember that on Doc McStuffins?
1: Oh, my God. You're really driving me back. <laughs> wow. Doc McStuffins <laughs> for the win.
0: I love Doc McStuffins. It was my favorite show that my kids watched when they were little. I absolutely loved it. But I only remember it because when she said, we have a case of Mystery Pox, my daughter insisted that it was Mystery Pops.
1: Oh. Which is way less like, harmful than pox.
0: Which is way less harmful. So anytime people we talk about like chicken pox or whatever, any kind of pox in my house, we always just call them pops.
1: I wonder how many other animals madlib into blank pox. Chicken pox, monkey pox, like fish pox, leopard pox, elephant pox. Turtle pox. Turtle pox. Turtle pox. Turtle pox. My god, we should have to- <laughs> I don't want to get that turtle pox. Hyena
0: pox. Yeah. Rattlesnake pox. Yeah. <laughs> I think the I mammals like
1: do better than the fish and the amphibians.
0: The poor monkeys, it's always the monkey. The outbreak monkey, the monkey box monkey. This
1: is Dustin Hoffman's fault. Let's just admit it.
0: It's Marcel the Monkey from yeah. Freaking. You know that was the same monkey, right? Yes,
1: it was. It was, yes.
0: You know that did you see the interview, speaking of the monkey, with um David Schwimmer, where he said he couldn't stand the monkey. He hated the monkey. He hated the monkey. <laughs> it's so great. That was part I of love- the friends' reunion. He, yes, that's right. That's where I saw it. And let me tell you, he's a fabulous actor because I would never have guessed he hated the monkey.
1: No, he, he had a good poker monkey pox face.
0: Oh, <laughs> I feel like we need to get David Schwimmer as a guest to discuss monkeypox. Like who better?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's not a doctor, nor does he play one on TV, but he had one on the, uh, but a monkey was his best friend.
0: I know he's, I love him. I love David Schwimmer. <laughs> So random. I don't know. Now I'm thinking about David. I'm just trying okay.
1: to recap this episode because we went on every corner of the checkerboard at this point.
0: Yeah, we really, we really hit, we hit all of the peaks and valleys. Oh my god! Yes. Where else can you come to hear about your parents' friends' bar mitzvah, the death penalty, and monkeypox, all in one episode? Nowhere, I tell you.
1: No, and you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for joining us on another <laughs> exciting episode of Vaxon Elura I will talk to you next week.
0: All right, Matt, take care. See you, everybody.
1: All right, bye, everyone. That's all for now. If you like Facts On, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to
0: listen. Tell us your shit show of a healthcare story by leaving a message for us at 855 AUDIO 66, and we might just use it in a future show. Vaxxon is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seeley. Our hosts are Matthew Zachary and Allura Nanos. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seely. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.